Welcome, this is The 508, a show about Worcester, and I'm Matt Taylor. Hi, Matt. It's August 4th, 2011. I'm Mike Benedetti, and today on the show we're talking to Matt, who is running for City Council in District 3. And D- District District 3 is like Quinsig Village, Holy Cross? Well, yeah, it's uh, it spans Quinsig Village, College Hill, uh, but also Grafton Hill and Vernon Hill. All right, and this is the thing, this is a seat where Paul Clancy was a city councilor from this district forever and ever and ever. He's not running for re-election. And now there's like four people running in a preliminary election. Correct. Which is on the September the 20th? Correct. And then the general election is in November sometime, Yeah, November right? 8th. November 8th. All right. Good deal. So, Matt, I'm glad you're on the show. Thanks Just for having ho- me. Hopefully this will be a good, good for both District 3 people and for uh, people citywide. Because we are going to drill down using these questions that we have developed based on feedback from guests on the show over the last few months, feedback we've gotten over the internet, feedback from phone calls and emails and whatnot. Um, issues, it's really an, uh, hope, hoping to make us have issues-driven coverage, which is a little perverse because people don't really vote on issues, I don't think, in city council elections. It's mostly, I think, about personality and whether or not, you know, you know that person's parents or son or whatever. But in this case, it's all going to be issues. Uh, so let me start you off here. Um, would you support zoning changes to encourage mixed-use, di- diverse development of existing neighborhoods to encourage walkability? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I okay. think um, if we look at Worcester, it's not necessarily set up uh, to be friendly towards walkers. And right. um, I think one thing to improve the quality of life is to improve accessibility. Um, and accessibility includes walkers or bikers mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And it can also help, you know, create uh, some economic development as well. Sometimes I feel like Worcester is not set up to, to be helpful for anyone traveling to the city. It's car unfriendly, pedestrian unfriendly, bike unfriendly. Well, I mean, it's it's an early city. And, you know, as an early city, I mean, it, it's similar to Boston in, in certain respects. And being an early city to where, uh, you know, planning wasn't necessarily, um, you know, the, the fundamental idea when, when right. things got mapped out. Um, but, I mean, there, there are things we can do, and, and we definitely do need improvement. Also on the show today, <laughs> lurking in the background is Brendan Mellick. Hi, Brendan. This is Matt Taylor. How's it going? Excellent. Great. What I miss? You missed the first question, which is a question about sustainability. Right. Brendan, by the way, as the sun goes down here at Beautiful Cook's Pond, Brendan will be uh, in shadow, played by the shadow. Uh, what's your position on school privatization? Um, I'm against, you know, full-fledged school privatization. Um, I think we as a society value education, actually, uh, in our state constitution, you know, we, we actually guarantee equal education to all, um, and straight out full privatization of schools um, could result in marginalization, uh, could result in unequal education as well. Um, and then also, if you think of complete privatization, you're, you're really talking about a, a for-profit model, um, you know, based on, on a competition model. And I think... The, the, the way to go is probably somewhere in between. I mean, I think that competition can produce some good things, innovation. Uh, what's happening right now where schools can file for innovative status, I think, is a good way to be able to highlight what works, uh, what doesn't work. Just with full privatization, you know, the scary thing is, is, you know, if a school finds out something that works really well, they're not necessarily going to want to completely, you know, share that knowledge or, or mm. share that input. Um, you know, because if it's like the voucher system in, in Florida or something, those schools would be in competition with one another, you know, almost competing for competing for students, and and so you know, it's it's. I mean, I think that's a slippery slope. There's weird incentives um, in those cases. Yeah, you know, and you know, as far as a, a complete model, I think you know the we as as a people have decided that education is something we value, and hopefully, community, you know, we we do value education, and uh, you know, I think 
innovation needs to happen and, and improvements need to be made, but I don't think full privatization is, is the answer at all. Okay. Um, city departments, particularly the police department, have information that can help the public make good decisions about running the city. That information, especially the police information, is hard to access and some would say impossible without a lawsuit. Would you do anything to change that? Um, it depends on, you know, the specific issue. I mean, um, you know, what type of information are, are we talking about? Um, you know, in terms of, you know, I couldn't even begin to speculate it. I would have to have something, you know, more specific um, in terms of what type of information are, are people inquiring about, um, you know, before I, I could make, make any kind of, you know, judgment on that. Okay. Um, do you have any? If you want to, pitch, no, you, no, if you want to say something, go ahead. I'm just sort of reading these off. You do a fine job. Okay, I, you know, I do have a mellifluous voice. <laughs> you know, you need new. You, I'm not even ready. You know, you need unique New York. What is local government's role in regulating the day-to-day -day lives of citizens? Is there a limit? Um, definitely a limit. Um, you know, I mean, the city shouldn't be micromanaging and, and regulating everything. I, it, again, one of the big big themes of my campaign is um, quality of life. Okay. And, you know, people need freedoms. I mean, our, our country is based off of this, this fundamental principle that you're free to do what, what, what you want to do as long as that action doesn't um, hurt somebody else. Um, whether we're talking about religious diversity, um, you know, or, or kind of cultural diversity, you know, we look at things from this perspective of, you know, how does that, this action hurt other people? Um, and I think for, for local government, uh, it should take a similar approach. I mean, it, it shouldn't be micromanaging. Um, it, it shouldn't be completely regulating, um, you know, and, and there are some ordinances that some people look at and say, wow, you know, what, what is that ordinance all about? Um, you know, and so I, I think it, it definitely should play a limited role. And, and common sense, I mean, common sense should prevail, especially um, we're looking at, at Worcester as trying to attract people to live here, to stay here, um, to develop businesses here. Uh, we want to have common sense um, kind of approach to, to allowing people to, to enjoy their lives. What do you think about what do you think about something like I don't know? How about a, how about a, a wet dog ordinance running through a TV <laughs> show set with three guys wearing ties? Write it up. Let's go. That's, that's, what we need. that's day one. <laughs> um, this is like your number one issue. Do you have any follow-up question for this? What, what, with what? On the question of what's the what's the city council's role in? I mean, that's if you ask every single resident of the city. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's important to me. But if you ask every resident of the city, they'd all have a different answer as to where that limit actually is. I right. Mean, I, I think it's important that uh, you've got either candidates or elected officials, you know, keeping in mind that diversity as well within uh, you know opinions of, of the average person that everybody has a different tolerance for uh, the amount of government that should be involved in their life yeah no I think and I think that's a good point I think you know ideally our, our country is supposed to you know tolerate this diversity yeah. and, and take this very abstract approach and, and you know that you're free you know mm -hmm. this is this is the land of freedom you know right. and you're free to live your life and that we should and in my opinion we should judge you know action based on how does it affect other people and if, if your action isn't you know infringing on anybody else's freedom yep. and and I think you know many instances you know even on, on, a, on a federal and state level I think government has been trying to micromanage and it, and it goes completely against um, you know, me, America. Let me ask you something. I'm always torn personally because my you know own uh, political philosophical <laughs> beliefs you know uh, as an individual 
they, they exist almost in totality in a realm that's probably deep into libertarian territory. Yeah. But then when you look at like actual life and practice, I have the, you're kind of forced to realize like I have the luxury of saying that because you know I'm a fourth fourth generation of a family of immigrants right and I mean that we, the bootstrapping was done generations ago yeah. and like when you look at folks that are either just coming to the country or have fallen at hard times like the level of government involvement that they need in their lives at that moment of time is obviously going to be much deeper than what I'm going to need or, or want and yeah it's that balancing act I don't know that there actually is a right answer to that question yeah. just an honest one it's, yeah yeah sure and I think that's a, I think that's a great way to put it I mean there's that gap between you know ideals and, and what do I daily believe in, and right. then you get the messy. All right, we, we need we need government. We need, mm-hmm. we need we need laws. We need some type of system of governance, and you know that intersection. Just like you said, it, it's messy. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's that's why we have elected officials is is to try to you know balance that. Let me ask you the next question. What's your personal vision for the city? Um, it's really again going back to what I said before: quality of life. Um, okay. I think a lot of times we look at things backwards, and and we need to go bottom up. And there's a lot that can be done, uh, simply on, on us, on on the people who live here, um, to make Worcester a better place. And okay. it's you know about celebrating our diversity and and our commonality that you know we all love the American dream. I mean, I mean that's why we're here. And I think bridges can be made, um, you know, in the city. And if you check out my website, I actually have some ideas that you know are aren't necessarily government ideas or, or spending ideas. But there are ideas of how can we get the positive people in this community together, and and how can we get more out of the people that live here, hmm. um, you know, because that that's our resource. You know, how can we get more out of the college students um, who come come to school here? Um, how can we get more out of the residents who who are raising families here and, and who all want a better community? Um, but right now they're they're you know at home or they're not being civically engaged. And I think you know my idea of, of city and local government um, is one that you're a facilitator. Um, you know, you're, you're put in job of, of trying to be a leader, and, and part of leadership is is bringing the community together and, and allowing the residents um, themselves to, to actually come forth and participate and get more. And I think, you know, the vision for the city is, is you know, really this one where we create a place where we're safe, uh, we enjoy ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, we get along, um, you know, we're, we're big enough to have some of the city luxuries, but small enough to still have that, that old town feel. And right now we don't have that feeling, mm-hmm. um, we, and, and I think we can, and, and I think we need to encourage that. And I think if we can, you know, look inward and, and go bottom up, um, we'll be more attractive to, to businesses that want to come here. Um, you know, looking at the video game industry that, that we just lost, right. um, it wasn't an economic issue. So it wasn't that well, Providence can put together a better economic package or a better TIF than us. And and I mean, TIFs are, are a part of it. It was a decision, I think, based off of, well. What's available for, for, for my workers? Um, you know, what can they do when, when they get out? Um, you know, what, 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 what's surrounding it? And a, a lot of businesses today um, aren't necessarily looking at just the bottom line. Okay, how can I get the best economic deal? Um, they're looking at places in terms of, of social development and, and, and its totality. And, and for us, you know, as a city, um, that's where we need to start. You know, we need to define ourselves, and, and I think that definition is is one where 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 this we have all the the luxuries of, of a big city, but we have the small town feel, and we need to increase that small town feel and, and that sense of community. Okay, have you served have you served on any boards or commissions? Um, I'm on the board of directors for Lugar Little League, so okay. nothing um, politically. Okay. I do a lot of volunteer work, coaching um, baseball okay. and football, you know, in the city in the district. Um, and then with teaching and raising a family, and, and that pretty much takes up a, a lot of my time right now. Okay. This, this next question is my personal favorite question, which is, 
How much can you bench press? <laughs> right now, yeah. um, I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, I used to play football, so I. What, I, what, uh, what, I your, your maximum is fine. What you know, was your lifetime max, maximum? I never broke two, um, believe it or not. You never broke 200? No, I never broke two. I think I was up to like. <laughs> I never broke 160, so you're doing <laughs> better, right. a lot better than me. I think the most I ever got up to was like 185, I think like close to 190. That, and that's when I was playing football. And, right. uh, I played for a holy name and then I actually played a year at Worcester State too while I was doing my undergrad there. Is this so. the first time you've actually received an answer from for that? <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> a That's a good answer. You just set the bar. Because he's, so a, poli- <laughs> he's <laughs> a politician. We've been asking right, right now I, I don't I, I couldn't even <clears> I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't even go on a bench right now. I mean it's, it's if there's time for you to switch up the papers and get some at large you know, names in I think that's that's the angle because I don't think you're going to another single honest answer on that for the rest of the season oh come I, I think people are going to know people people have read the list of questions they know they're getting ready do you think everybody's at home now like you know Wor- working out I assume so I assume so um do you like the well let me ask you this what is your view on the relationship between the council and the city manager um well I mean for our form of government the the city manager is appointed by the city council. Mm-hmm. Um, what's good about our system of democracy and, and this uh, idea of the American dream is it's structured for conflict and debate. Um, you know, and, and I think as, as you know, as I, I teach in a classroom, I tell my students all the time, um, you know, you're free to speak your mind and, and you're free to take any viewpoint that you want um, as long as your intentions and your motives are pure. Meaning that, you know, you, you firmly, you really believe what you believe and, and and I think as that translates to, to us and city manager, city council, um, it's the same idea that we're not going to always agree. Um, in fact, we probably shouldn't agree on, on everything. Um, you know, that's the beauty of, of progress is that progress can come out of conflict. And it's my job as city councilor to, to, you know, do the research, um, do the homework, be knowledgeable about issues, um, and represent the interests of, of my district. And I think, you know, me and the city manager should have that respect to where, we, we respect each other's motives. We believe each other's intentions are pure. Um, and from there, you know, as long as we have that kind of underlying respect, um, you know, we could have debates, we could have conflict, and, and hopefully the city will be, be the better for it. Um, and at the end of the day, still, still respect each other and, and try to get things accomplished. Um, but, you, you know, sometimes friction's a good thing. I mean, I think, I think that's what we need. I think, I think we need um, someone who's strong. I think we need assertiveness. Um, and I think we need, you know, a city council that, that's listening to the district and, and fighting for the district. I mean, again, you, it's, it's a job, and, and you need someone to do the work. You need someone to put the time in, and someone who understands, understands the issues, um, you know, to be able to do, do the job effectively. And, you know, with the city manager-city council relationship, the way it's set up is, you know, there should be some type of friction there in, in terms of accountability. I mean, it, it's like any business, um, you know, with the boss and an employee. Um, you know, if work's getting done and things are going good, then, you know, things should be good. If, if there's some, something not being done good, then um, you need to have that discussion and, and as soon as possible, um, you know, to make sure things get back and, and become efficient. Do you have any District 3 questions? Um, did you have any more questions? I have several more, but we have plenty of time. Yeah, no, I had a, well, just to follow up on that, I mean, if you I don't want to put you on the spot at all, but if you were sitting as a counselor now and you had to rate the manager as they do every year yeah would you be willing to like throw out like you know generally speaking what your opinion of, of his work has been I, w- I would I would be 100% honest as um, city counselor um, I don't think would it's, you be 100% honest as a candidate right now I don't I don't think it's fair for me to cast that vote um, you know to be in, in all honesty there's work that goes that's involved in following every single issue and, and issues are complex mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it would be fair of me right now um, without putting in that, that as I was just saying with that research and that homework um, to, to actually give a grade I mean that grade needs to be based off of 
you know, if, if I, I couldn't just throw one out there to be politically safe or, or even to say, hey, to make a political statement, um, it needs to be grounded in facts and, and, and truth. And, and uh, I'm not on the council yet. Um, I've, I've been trying to read up on as many issues as I can and, and putting that work in. But I don't think I'm in the position. That's why I, when, when I'm in the city council, I mean, definitely I'll, I'll be in a position to cast a vote and, and the vote will be as honest as, as it can be, you know, definitely. In terms of actual district stuff, though, you know, the, the, one of the things that's always I have a hard time figuring out how I feel about is the relationship between the at-large counselors and the district counselors, right? Like, you're, even though you're, you're, you'd be a district counselor, your vote still isn't weighed more or less than that as of an at-large counselor, right? Sure. So, I mean, there are, are likely to be times that uh, you could take a stance on something that might be more favorable to your district and, you know, need to lobby the rest of the council to come onto your side. Definitely. You also could be a throwaway vote for somebody else who's like an at-large counselor or another district counselor that's really trying to, you know, pull something in for, for their... Do you do you like the way, the system the way it's it's laid out now? Do you think it's actually like a, a fair system of, of representation for, for the city overall, considering that the district counselors, you know, when it comes to time to actual vote, even though the constituency might be smaller, their vote has the same weight as the, the at-large counselors? Um, you know, I don't think any system's ever going to be a perfect system. Um, you know, that gets back to what we're talking about, just the, the messiness of, of governance and kind of, you know, everyday life. Um, and I don't think it's a bad system. I mean, I think each district should be, you know, should have certain amount of weight, you know, and that they should have certain amount of power. I mean, that's, um, as a district council, that's why you're put in there. I mean, you're essentially that special interest um, for, for those residents, you know, and that, that's, a, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and, again, it gets back to the messy part of, of governing, and, and you you should have to have some type of process. Um, your vote should should carry some weight. And, you know, I mean, that's, I look forward to getting in there and, and developing those relationships and, and taking the stands where, where the stands need to be taken and making sure that, you know, basically being a watchdog, making sure things are done right. I mean, that's, that's really why, you know, I, I want to run is when I talked with my wife about it, at the end of the day, the question was, um, you know, if not, you know, if I wasn't in there, then who would it be? Um, and, and I honestly trusted myself the most, I think, in terms of putting in the work and, and doing what's needed and, and being able to understand issues, um, you know, and, and do the right thing. Do you, do you like the idea of neighborhood councils? I do. I really do. Um, again, part of, I mean, my, the, the model for my campaign is um, building our future together. And when you, and it's not just a slogan that was just kind of picked arbitrarily. I mean, if you look at the website and some of the ideas that I have up there, um, and then also, you know, what, what I've been talking to residents a lot about, um, it all relates back to this idea. And, and again, empowering citizens, you know, empowering and increasing that communication between the, the residents and um, their elected official. And so I think neighborhood councils, though they, you know, they might make things more complex and, and, and you know, and, and whatnot, um, they increase that, that link, they, they increase that communication, and then they empower citizens. Um, you could have new leaders come out, come out of neighborhood councils, you know, somebody who, you know, might not have been involved in politics otherwise, who goes to a neighborhood meeting or, you know, I, I, I see, I mean, it's potential messiness, but I see more positives than negatives. And when I look at issues, um, oftentimes, again, no, no perfect solution, um, it's cost-benefit. And if there's more positives than negatives, then, then I think it's a good idea. And, and I, I see this as, as something, whenever we're getting citizens engaged and involved and, and getting them to have some input, um, I see it as a positive thing, um, bottom line. This next question has like five parts, but I'm just going to ask it all as one question. <laughs> Where should the city draw the line in taking responsibility for development? Where should the city draw the line when selling off existing assets? How should the city be making its money? And what's the correct tax rate for Worcester homeowners? Okay. 140 characters or less. All right. Um, so I'm going to tweet this now. Okay. That's right. Um, sure. Yes. Um, no. 
the should should the city council take responsibility for development? Um, yes, I mean they're being appointed a job, um, and that that doesn't necessarily mean you know more government spending or more tax cuts or things like that. But it does mean taking that leadership role to make Worcester a place uh, where businesses want to come. Um, and uh, what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. Well, so, so the first question was, yeah. where should the city draw the line and take responsibility for the development? The next was, where should the city draw the line when selling off existing assets? Um, assets, I think, I think you need input from the residents. Um, you know, and, and again, neighborhood councils could, could increase that. Um, you know, I, I think if, if a city council, council makes a decision, um, they should have good reason for that decision that they made. And so they shouldn't be too afraid of neighborhood councils or responding to the people because if they made that decision for a good reason, then they should have no problem communicating, communicating that to, to, to the residents. Um, and when it comes off to selling assets, it's, you know, there, there has to be some type of communication there um, to where there's some input because people, you know, th there are some nice things in the city and, and some open buildings that are, that are nice and, you know, the people probably just don't want completely sold off. And then at the other end, there could be ways to make money to where, you know, residents are like, sure, you know, if, you know, if we can, or where's that money going to go, it might be the question. So mm. you want to sell off this asset, um, fine, there should be some type of accountability to say, okay, what are we selling this off for? Are we selling it off for a blank check? Um, you know, is there something where this money's appropriated for? And, and again, more input. So... What, what, let me ask you this. What's the correct tax rate for Worcester homeowners? I'm if you were going to draw something, if you're pulling a number, if you're just, if, if God hands you a number written on a I'm, tablet. I'm, I'm in favor of the lowest residential tax rate. You um, are. And yeah. that's because I, I represent District 3. And as a District 3 counselor, I represent the residents of my district, which is a working uh, family district. Okay. And when you look at property tax, and, and especially in, it's in a down economy right now, I can't see increasing the taxes. Uh, especially with property tax, which is somewhat a, a form of kind of regressive taxation, um, in that a lot of times property uh, value will go up, but wages stay the same. So now residents are paying out of their pocket. Right now, um, it's even it's even a, kind of a larger disparity where property value is going down, but there's no abatement or there's no kind of devaluation of the problem. So property values are going down. People are losing their jobs. Um, wages have been stagnated, and now we're going to in, in, increase taxes, um, you know, on those working families and. You know, I, I like I said, I'm a working family myself, with my family, and, and in this economy, there's no way we can we can raise taxes on um, the families that I represent, and 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 so that would have to be my position as as um, you know as their elected kind of you know representative. So you'd rather see the city making money off of business taxing it, businesses? Well, I mean, I mean, where would you like to see the people, the city make its money? I think everybody would love it to live in the world where there's no taxes. Mm -hmm. But where so where should the city be making its money then? If not, if if you want to minimize residential taxes i mean that's that's a good question and it's i think it's more complex <laughs> than a simple okay residents or businesses i mean right now if you look at the businesses that are paying the tax burden um it's a lot of small businesses you know which again sure i think is wrong i mean we're giving these so, we're trying to track so these, who pays who pays taxes in, in this scenario then both should take both should shoulder the burden and but you would like to see the residents pay as little as possible and the businesses pay as much as the city can tax them no definitely no. not because no, it's, definitely isn't that not. kind of how how does that work it doesn't i don't think i don't think it has to be i mean yeah i understand what you're saying is that if you support the lowest residential tax rate then supposedly you're saying okay you're supporting we're going to take highest, the, we're going to take the highest, highest business, business tax, tax rate, rate right and i don't i don't think it has to be a that type of dichotomy that type of either or um i think if we expand kind of the business and we we grow business here Right, that we can decrease the tax load on everybody, and again, it gets back to that quality of life issue and making Worcester a place where people people want to come. Um, and it also involves, if if we look at the budget cuts right now in, in this tough economy, um, it also involves looking at certain services that we have and saying, okay, what services 
um, that we have that necessarily cut, but that we can, you know, you guys talk about privatizing schools. Well, maybe not privatize, but, you know, bring in certain types of nonprofits and develop certain types of What services would you like to see cut? City services. I wouldn't like to see any services cut right now. None at all. Um, But I'm saying... I feel like I feel like I'm not getting straight answers from you on these tax questions, or I feel like I'm getting straight answers that are non-answers. No, I well, I don't I don't think you're framing it the right way. I mean, okay. I don't think frame it, it, reframe it for me. I don't think it has to be support lowest residential tax rate, and then which means you want the the highest tax rate on on uh, on businesses. Um, you know, I think if you can expand the tax rate, you can shoulder the burden more in that you don't necessarily have to do an either or. No, well, I think it's probably true that if you grow the economy, you can you don't have to raise you don't have to increase the percentage of taxes to increase the revenues obviously, but growing the economy is not something that happens really in a 12-month period, right? Growing the economy takes years and years and with the with the, the, the I mean the city doesn't control the economy. The economy is controlled by, you know, however many billion people around the world. Anyway, anyway. No, very true, very true. And then well, and like okay. I said, and that's why I said again, if in order for us to attract business, we need to improve the quality of life first. I All mean, right. that's, that's, that, to me, that's just number one. is to That's more important jobs. than worrying about tax rates or anything like that. <laughs> no, okay. no. Uh, no I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. All right, let me, uh, let me, uh, I, I'm going to give you time for one more substantial question. Sure. You can, you, you think about something, all right? Um, <laughs> you're looking at me like, you're you're, the we're on a, look right we're now. on a talk show. You're looking at me like, what is this? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the non, I'm going to ask you some substantial but non-official questions now. Have you seen The Wire? Yes. Who's your favorite character on The Wire? Um, great show. Probably one of the best HBO shows. I, I don't necessarily have a favorite character. Oh, come on. I mean... If, oh, come everyone, everyone on. See, you can tell you want to say Omar. You just don't want no, to say I don't Omar, want to say Omar on Omar. record. That's, no. That's I like, everyone wants to say Omar. I, like, I, mean, for, I mean, entertainment value. I mean, you know, Omar's you don't have... probably the, the obvious choice, <laughs> you know. You um, I like McNulty. McNulty's good. Okay. Um, you know, I like, I don't know. We should point out, the, you know. I mean, none of these characters are, like, morally pure, so it's fine no, to say, well, like, you're, you're basically pricking somebody who has a lot of flaws. No, yeah, no, it's, I mean, so, and, and, right. and well, I don't know, so, I mean, I don't know if you, you, like, who's my favorite character, does that mean, like, who do I associate with the I most? Don't. Because that's that's a different, I mean, <laughs> no, it's see, it's I, entertainment, I mean, it's I not real life. last show, I said that I think the only, I think the only way you can, like, really answer that question and not be viewed as a complete psychopath is, <laughs> is either by Bump or Omar. Because even though they're like the complete opposite, like they're like the yin and yang of the show, right? I mean, like they both have a, a clearly defined line in the sand that they don't cross. And if I'm not mistaken, they're the only two characters in the show that like don't they have a line that they're not willing to cross. And Very it true. makes them like, in, in a way, like moral purity. Is there anything? Other people, that's true. Other cross? people have lines which are more in the realm of sanity than Omar and Bump's lines, but other people cross those lines all the time. Right. They're sort of hypocrites, whereas those guys actually have a line. They put a line in the sand. And they it's actually cool. respect that line. It's in it's in a sort of it is in a sort of a psychopathic area, but it is a line. But at least you and they don't cross it. Do you have a do you have a favorite Worcester nickname for the city? For, for the city? Yeah. Um, I just like it when people pronounce it right, which is Worcester. Um, you know, I don't know where this Worcester came from. The W O O. I've never heard of the Worcester. Woo? I've heard the, the woo, but I've never heard anybody pronounce Worcester, Worcester. You know, it's, it's Who to me, it's, that? it's W, well, when they spell it, they spell it W-O-O-S-T-A. It's oh. kind of the, the pronunciation. The I'm, pronunciation is yeah. W-I-S-T-A. It's it Worcester. It's it rhymes with Worcester. Mista. Yeah, it's Mista. I mean, well, Worcester, yeah, Worcester, it's not, like, maybe, you know, 50 years ago, people's, the, the accent was Worcester with a, you know, W-O-O, uh, but today it's Worcester. It's W-I-S-T-A. It's Worcester. That's that's how I was taught to say it. That's how I've always said it. So it bugs me when I see Worcester. I don't know, just because I've never heard that in my entire life, and I've been here every year of my 30 years. So I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I sort of want to ask people about their favorite about metal because 
So many Worcester politicians have gone on record as saying that they don't like metal, and this is probably much the most metal city think, in the region. I think Tim was the one who, Tim Murray was the one who made the, the biggest full pond that he said anything but, but metal. metal. And yeah, other which, city councils have gone on record about this too. I don't know what's a good question. Metal's about, been mentioned a lot. I just think Tim is the one who really kind of like put he really just put his foot in his mouth on that one. That like yeah. you know, the only kind of music you're likely to find in a Worcester bar is going to be metal. And, do you have do you have a do you have like a legitimate question to finish up the show with? I do, yeah, no. Um, we've, you, got, we've got two minutes. If, I can plug for, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. We'll come back to music. Um, what, do you, what do you think are the biggest issues facing District 3 right now? Uh, it's development. Um, I think especially for Quincy... No, commercial. commercial. Um, I think especially for Quincy Village, um, or even not necessarily even Quincy Village, but the Route 20 kind of border of my mm-hmm. district is, is the most accessible place in the city. And most people look at, at Worcester in terms of how do you get access outside of the city. Do you know what I mean? As tar- in, instead of, well, what's the entrance point right. into the city? And that's by far the entrance point. I mean, it's Mass Pike, 290, 146, Route 20. Um, so you're talking about, you know, it could be any type of industry that's employing large numbers of people where people are commuting in, um, and, and, and accessibility, and that's by far the most accessible. The Walmart um, Plaza down there? Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down in terms of, not just for the district, but for, like, the city as a whole. Do you think that's the... Right well, I think it's good. I mean, um... Residents don't have to drive. People shop at Walmart. Whether whether you like oh, Walmart, whether yeah, full, whether you like there. Walmart or not, um, people that complain the most probably shop there the most as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like the low prices, and so people would be leaving the city, you know, to, to go there. And I mean, the traffic hasn't. I haven't seen too much of an increase in traffic. I mean, mm-hmm. I live right over by there. Um, they donated to my to my little league, you know, which was mm-hmm. you know, which is beneficial. I mean, we, you know, Vernon Hill is uh, Lou Gehrig is, is in a low income community, and and we we take a lot of kids in that they can't afford, and you know, yep. so we rely a lot on, on those those business sponsorships. And I thank everybody for those business sponsorships. Um, actually, I, I had actually uh, wrote a letter to Millbury Savings Bank, who had donated um, money to both Vernon Hill School and Quincy um, School, and they actually cut us, it w- not even cut us, they actually sent it right to the scoreboard company, but spent, um, you know, bought us a scoreboard, you know, yeah. which was which was great. I mean, because that's something we as a league, there's there's no way we could do that. And so, I mean, I think when you bring business in, I mean, business development's business development. I mean, it's providing jobs, it's providing tax base, I mean, that's what we're talking about. So. Um, we're going to have to cut you off there because we're almost out of time. Okay. Matt Taylor, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank Matt you. Taylor, he's running in District 3 for City Council. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Malikin. Sorry, it was late, guys. See everybody next week. Bye-bye.